This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, as we enter the second year, of Vladimir Putin's special military operation in Ukraine, in other words, his war and invasion, which he has prosecuted brutally and continues to prosecute brutally. The conversation around the Ukraine-Russia conflict is basically one-dimensional and perhaps was articulated best by Joe Biden and his trip to Europe last week, including to Kiev. And it is, we must win, Putin must be beaten. He cannot be allowed to get away with the things that he has done. The European position on this is difficult to encapsulate or even discern. And one, as always, uh, one of the most interesting views or perspectives is the French perspective. And we're joined now by Lara Marlowe, the Irish Times Paris con- correspondent who has been writing some really amazing pieces about Macron's position, the French position, the history of it. Uh, Lara, you're very welcome to the stand and thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Eamon. Thank you. The French don't have the same simple take on Putin. For example, uh, Macron uh, alone, as far as I can see, among Western leaders does not believe that Putin has to go. Is he conscious of the degree to which opinion in France, right and left, uh, from Le Pen to Mélenchon, is not simple, understands Putin's point of view? Is he conscious of that? And is he even conscious, perhaps, of the Treaty of Versailles, when Germany was humiliated, which produced Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. In other words, we must give Putin. Am I, am I fair to say that President Macron thinks Putin must be given enough hope and belief to continue? Yes, um, to all of the, the above questions. I mean, as far as the French political class having a weak spot for Russia, you could say that, that Macron himself did. I mean, he, 
yeah, he, he's sort of gone zigzagged on, on the whole Russian question since 2017, since he became president. But I remember him uh, greeting, welcoming Putin to his summer residence at Bregançon in 2019. And he said that the two of them together should uh, create a new security architecture for our Europe. Uh, and this very much upset uh, a, a lot of people in, well, the, the Germans were kind of um, uh, shocked because they, they weren't really consulted on it. Although Merkel and Macron did suggest a dialogue with Russia. I mean, the, the Germans, um, of course, have, were so reliant on, on um, Russian hydrocarbons. But Macron, um, I think, is very representative in a way of the French political class because they see Russia as being on the same landmass. Uh, he always says yes. Russia is not going to move. It's part of Europe. He, he, he very often says that. Uh, and he has said uh, about a, well, a little over a year ago, he said one mustn't humiliate Russia. Uh, and that outraged the Ukrainians. Uh, and I remember having lunch with a, a former French ambassador who said, well, Jacques Chirac said the same thing. He used to always say one mustn't humiliate Russia. Uh, but having, you know, having said that after the invasion of Ukraine did not go down well. And then in, in December, he said more or less the same thing. He said um, Russia would need security guarantees. Uh, so I think he, in part of it, he may be wanting to position himself as the peacemaker, as the negotiator, uh, if and when this, this whole horrible business comes to an end. Um, but perhaps he's also being more realistic. I mean, he, he said, uh, at the Munich security conference, um, on, on February 17th, he was talking. He said, I do not believe for one second in regime change in, in Russia. Uh, and he's the only person who said that. Uh, and, yeah, and he you know, continued. He continued that sentence by saying, I hear a lot of people calling for regime change, and I ask them, who would take over? Who is the leader? Yeah. Uh, and he pointed out that the West has seen regime change in numerous countries, and it's always led to failure. That's his yes. a quote from him. And he yeah. points out in the past two decades, Western interventions in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Libya have ended disastrously, and that's something one can't argue against. Mm, no, he, he has a very good point. And um, I personally, I, you know, I, I did a lot of reporting from Ukraine last year, and, and I feel very strongly that the Ukraine is the victim and Russia is the aggressor. But the more I think about Macron's position, the more it seems to make sense. Um, you know, we can't just click our fingers and say, you know, Putin gone. Uh, he, he, he may not disappear and we may have to deal with him, uh, so, which is what exactly what Macron is saying. Yes, the, 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 problem, uh, the problem with that, Lara, are the crimes that Putin mm. has committed in Ukraine. Yes, yes. Um, and the other problem, I think, is that he could be fairly described as a fascist, <laughs> really, well... Yes, as yeah. some kind of fascist. I mean, they, they come in all shapes and, and sizes. And the International Criminal Court, for example, uh, has been cited by the Americans and many Europeans as a place where they would like to see some mm. some of these monsters that have been unleashed on Ukraine yeah. by yeah. Vladimir Putin. 
Yeah, and, and I can certainly see that argument. I, I would like to see Vladimir Putin in the dock. I think he deserves to be tried as a war criminal. But you could also argue that George W. Bush and, and Donald Rumsfeld, and, yes. uh, those people deserve to be tried for what, what they did to Iraq. They totally destroyed that country. And unfortunately, in this whole situation, the U.S. has really undermined its position by its past actions. Harry Truman uh, might be in that dock as well for for Hiroshima. And mm. uh, there are the most appalling things that the Americans did in Vietnam, and nobody is kind of is, has clean hands. Although we like mm. to pretend that we do. The British in Dresden, for example. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it is without end. But that said, um, maybe you know, arresting Putin. I mean, they they did get Milosevic, and he died in prison yes. in the Hague. Uh, so it's not inconceivable, but it's also not inconceivable that that Putin will stay in power. Um, and we're all, um, you know, flying blind at the moment. And, and actually, that was one of the points that Gorbachev made. He just said, he said, we're, we're all, he said, no one is in control and we're all skating on very thin ice. Yeah. Let's talk about Gorbachev. Uh, Andrei Gorbachev was Mikhail Gorbachev's advisor. He has written books about this and including the current conflict. And you attended a lunch in mm-hmm. Paris, where Gratchev was the guest, and he wasn't... Tell us what his position is, and tell us mm-hmm. about his fears, because he does have some. Oh, he certainly does. He says he's he's very, very pessimistic. I mean, just to tell you a little bit about the mood, the, the, the lunch was in the cellar of a restaurant, and he when he arrived... He looked around. He's a very dignified guy. I don't know if you've, you've ever come across him. He's a historian and he's, he speaks very well. Um, he looked around him and he said, this would be a good nuclear bunker. Yes. <laughs> and that, that was kind of the mood. He said that the, the best scenario that he could imagine is what he called the Korean scenario. And he's not, this is not totally original. One hears it fairly often, but he said at the end of the Korean War, there was an armistice, but the borders were never defined and they were never recognized. And and he said that's the best possible outcome, and he doesn't even think that that's likely to happen now. Um, he talked a lot about the possibility of nuclear war. Uh, he said, for example, that in NATO doctrine, nuclear weapons were, were to have been used to stop a Soviet advance towards Germany. Uh, yes. But that has kind of been reversed now. And the logic is, uh, is, is Putin is saying that he will use Russian nuclear weapons if Russian territory is, is going to be taken away from him, away from Russia. The problem is that he claims that four oblasts, four regions in Ukraine are Russian territory, uh, um, Crimea, uh, and, and the, the whole southwest of Ukraine. So would he, if he was losing that territory, would he then use nuclear weapons? And that certainly is what he, he has very strongly implied in the past. Um, now, so NATO's, NATO made a commitment um, after the collapse of the Soviet Union uh, that it wouldn't move eastwards. Uh, let's put it no stronger than that. And it has. Yes. And, and well, th- this, this is, is interesting. Yeah. I, mean, I, I actually covered, I was at the Elysee 
on the day in 1997, I think it was May, if my memory is correct, when Boris Yeltsin, uh, it was Jacques Chirac, uh, Tony Blair was there, all, I, 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 you know, all the Western leaders were there, basically, and they signed a founding act between NATO and the Russian Federation. And at the time, I mean, it was it was quite euphoric. It was a moving ceremony. I remember because I I grew up in in the U.S. I was uh, five years old when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, and and my mother was a nervous wreck. And I I really grew up under the shadow of of nuclear war, and it was very moving. We were told, you know, there will never be another threat of nuclear war, and so on. So much for that. At the time. There was talk, Yeltsin wanted a guarantee that NATO would not move into the former East Bloc countries. Yes. And there was a sort of a verbal agreement. It was kind of understood by everybody. But now the apologists uh, for NATO and for the West are saying, well, it was never on paper. Uh, so, you know, even that is disputed. I mean, I, I think they did trick Russia in a sense. I think Russia did. Uh, certainly wanted a commitment that NATO would not expand to the east. Um, okay, well, this is this is um, Putin's justification. He says this yes. is an existential issue for Russia. Uh, the EU and NATO are, are just moving closer and closer and closer. And he actually said on Sunday that soon there will be no ethnic Russians left. I mean, now he's accusing the West of genocide, which is a bit rich, you have to admit. But um, he that he feels threatened is, is, is possible. Does it justify what he's doing in Ukraine? Absolutely not. Now, when you attended that lunch uh, with Grachev, he has a new book, the title of it, it's a book of essays. The title is The World Will Never Be the Same Again. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a collective work. It's just been published in Paris. And I think many of us believe when you take Putin's aggression and you add it to China's newfound aggression, uh, Taiwan being the most obvious and next target after they have taken Hong Kong, it does appear that the world may never be the same again, Lara, and that the big mm. geopolitical conflict here is between the authoritarian world, which includes Iran, places in the Middle East, uh, China, Russia, and the free world, as we like to call it, mm. uh, the Western world, that that is now in play. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, Putin has a very disconcerting amount of support in the developing world in Africa and South yes. America, uh, people who, who reject the Western model because they, they don't, because they say we're hypocrites and that there's not justice and equality and, and, and so on. And that Western style democracy, um, wouldn't, wouldn't help them or doesn't work in the, their countries. So, uh, yes, this authoritarian model, uh, Turkey, look at, look at Erdogan's yes. Turkey and Turkey's in NATO for, for heaven's sakes. Yes. Um, yes, it, it is, uh, in, in very many ways, uh, a war between two systems. And um, I think if, if Putin were to win in, in Ukraine, it would obviously be, be very threatening to democracy. I think um, Grachev said something interesting. He said that uh, he doesn't think that Putin really believes that NATO is going to attack or invade Russia militarily. But what worries Putin is the, is the example. It's the democratic model. It's the idea yes. um, that... that 
the West could uh, impose free and fair elections and, and, and their model everywhere, including in Russia. Um, and that, that's what really worries him. I think there's something to that. And also the Chinese would take the same view of Taiwan. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If you have freedom and prosperity and elections <laughs> in a, a place that works next door, that is mm -hmm. the threat, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Um, how would Macron, for example, explain that? If you put it to him, Putin cannot remain because he has embarked on a course which will inevitably lead perhaps, to a, a nuclear war? Uh, well, I, I can't speak for Emmanuel Macron, but I think he would say that, that it's not up to um, France or, or the West to decide how Russia should be governed. I, I think that he would say that's a matter for the Russian people. And it's not, it's far from certain touch wood, you know, that, that Putin's course will lead us all to nuclear war. It's possible. I actually have friends in Paris who are buying um, iodine tablets. You know, all we can do is hope that it's not going to happen. I, I don't think anybody, including Putin, I don't think he really wants a nuclear war, but he has said and his, his entourage have said repeatedly that if he's got his back against the wall, um, he, he will use them as an ultimate recourse. Uh, and that is a very frightening prospect. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Now, the United States have galvanized NATO. They have led in this campaign. They have put more money, more arms than anyone else. The British have also, uh, despite the wretchedness of Boris Johnson, he was the first Western leader to supply weapons, defensive weapons, admittedly. The analysis, as it were, of Macron, will it separate him from other European leaders, say Schultz in Germany, or indeed the British, or indeed the Americans, if they try to prosecute the war under their belief, which is basically Putin must go, Mm. must not be allowed Um. to win? We could be heading for difficulties in that, but on the other hand, it, it may, you know, it's just it's impossible to predict. Uh, the war has already created difficulties between France and Germany because they're a very, very close relationship. The engine of Europe, to use the old cliche, um, is always fraught with difficulties, and the French are just profoundly different countries and, and their leaders are very different. And I don't think that, that Macron and Schultz actually have very, very much in common. Uh, but they, they've had rows about weapon systems. For example, the, the Germans last October announced a um, an anti-air defense system that they were doing with the U.S. I think the U.K. is in it. Certainly Israel is in it. And it's it's basically and a lot of NATO countries. I think Norway. And the French were absolutely furious because it, it wasn't done, they weren't told about it in advance, um, and, you know, Schultz just sprung it on the Anyway, but, but going back to the, the long-term effects of this, you said the U.S. has galvanized NATO. Absolutely. But I think it's the, I think it's fear of the Russians that has galvanized NATO. And it should be pointed out that the war has also rehabilitated the U.S., because remember, after the, 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 the shameful, the debacle in, in Kabul, uh, last August after yes. the, the U.S. basically abandoned Afghanistan after, you know, all those years and all that blood and treasure, um, the U.S. prestige was very, very low. And indeed, Grachev uh, suggests that's one reason, uh, one thing that emboldened Putin to invade Ukraine was that he thought, he, he called him Sleepy Joe, you know, was just not up to it. Yes. Uh, but the U.S. is totally rehabilitated. They're a leader again. And now, all of Europe, including up to a point France, although they're always the most reticent on this, sees U.S. security guarantees as absolutely necessary for Europe. So, so that um, that is a good thing for the U.S. In terms of the U.S. giving more weapons and, and aid than anyone else, that is true. But if you put all of the EU countries together and add up what they're giving, it's more or less almost as much as the U.S., um, Okay, granted, the population is more than twice as much as, as the U.S. population, but if you see them as two sort of comparable blocks or something, um, the, the EU is not doing too badly, basically. No, uh, no, and uh, the, the question is Macron, and you, in a piece you wrote for the Irish Times, you pointed out that he has been criticized in France because he wants a Ukrainian victory on condition that it doesn't mean a Russian defeat. Uh, The sort of pirouette at which he excels, you quote the philosopher Pascal Bruckner uh, writing in Le Figaro. 
Um, and it, it does, I must say, it does strike me as some pirouette. Yes. Uh, well, it's, you know, Macron's slogan has always been en même temps, at the same time. Yes. So he wants to talk to Russia and he wants to, uh, to give weapons to, to uh, Zelensky. And he, he wants, I mean, the, the real killer line that, that, um, Pascal Bruckner used, which I thought was, was really brilliant. Uh, he, he, he said that this is untenable. He said, you cannot be Churchill and Chamberlain at the same time. Yes. And Macron's entourage hates that, that quote, of course. Um, I used it when talking to, to people who support him and, and they just say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it in those terms and, and this sort of thing. But, but one does have the impression that he kind of is, is on both sides of the, of the question at the same time. But actually, Grantchev said, I asked Grantchev what he thought of Macron's position and I had, I expected him to be critical because he himself is very, very critical of Putin. And he said, no, I think he's, I think Macron is right. He said at some point, you know, when, when heads are cooler, when people are more rational, um, he can play a useful, a useful role. And I, and I think that, uh, Putin, because Macron has, um, been, well, you know, waiting to talk to him after everyone else did not want to. And because he said these things about not humiliating Russia and giving Russia yes. security guarantees, he would be well positioned to be a negotiator. But then so would, uh, Recep Erdogan in Turkey. Um, so, you know, the, he's not the only one, but I think he would really like that role. But as this conflict in Ukraine has unfolded, Lara, with the terrible atrocities, including rape, destruction, attacks on hospitals, schools, the, the the kind of things we saw in Syria, the Russians doing there mm. with their general Armageddon. Most people in the West think there's no way back for Putin. For, for, mm. for Putin's Russia, there's no way back. And you, there may not be. There may not be, but it's hard to, we don't know what, what is the scenario? Does somebody, does someone from his close entourage, you know, a servant in the Kremlin or somebody just shoot him in the head? Is there a pooch by Russian generals? Yes. There are apparently people even more extreme than Putin. There um, are, Pri yes. Prigozhin, the head of the, the Wagner militia or, or mercenary group, whatever you want to call it, uh, he seems to me to be uh, as bad or worse um, than, than Putin. Um, there's some really um, kind of lunatic, uh, far-right, uh, religious fanatics, Orthodox Christians, you know, who, who believe that this is this is Russia's destiny to, to recreate the empire of the czars and, and this sort of thing. So, uh, you know, we think there couldn't be anyone worse than Putin, but maybe there could be. Um, yes. I, I mean, in, in Iraq, uh, just within a year or two of Saddam Hussein being overthrown by the Americans, I heard many, many, many Iraqis saying we were better off under Saddam. And, and I think that, that Macron is right in being cautious because what, what would happen if Putin is overthrown, say, murdered or taken to yes. the Hague for a war crimes trial and Russia descends into utter chaos and anarchy yes. and, or starts attacking other countries again? You know, are we really going to be any better off that way? Let me ask you a final question, uh, Lara, about the degree to which, if at all, domestic politics, um, Le Pen on his right, uh, Mélenchon on the left, both of whom have nuanced positions, shall we say, on Russia, D the degree to which that plays a part in forming 
Macron's thinking, if any? Um, I don't think it does. Actually, interestingly enough, Le Pen and Mélenchon and, and Zemmour, all these people who, who adored Putin before, have been silent. Uh, and and it, like Maloney in in Italy, yes. for example, uh, or or, or they they will say they support the Ukrainian people. And Marine Le Pen's line is, well, we want negotiations with Russia, which which many view as a sort of uh, pacifist pro-Russian kind of you know a cop out. But but anyway, nobody nobody's saying you know down with Zelensky or down with Ukraine. And and the vast majority of the French really do support the Ukrainians. I I don't think it's so much. Macron playing to the political opposition because right. he's he's notoriously uh, he has great disregard and contempt for them, frankly. And I don't any for for example on the pension debate, which is a whole a whole other issue. He has not in any way changed his position to placate the far left and the far right. I mean, he is he, in, and, and I don't think he is in the Ukraine war. I think this is genuinely his own thought out position. Um, now he does, he is in a bit of an awkward place because almost up to the eve of the invasion of Ukraine, Macron and the French were saying it wouldn't happen. Yes. Uh, and when the Americans and the British kept warning, uh, he's going to do it, he's going to do it, he's going to invade Ukraine, the French were saying, ah, this is really irresponsible, they're going to make a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, and, and they were really criticizing what they call les anglo-saxons. Uh, and I think that's always kind of in the background. Macron is, a, and, and Schultz, uh, the, well, the, the Germans, you know, the, the same thing. Um, they, they didn't see it coming. Uh, they didn't realize how dangerous Putin was. And in that, they really were shown up by the Americans and the British. And, and I think that's kind of a source of embarrassment. And it's something that they will take a very long time to live down. Okay, Lara, thank you very much indeed for joining us from Paris. Lara Marlowe is the Paris correspondent of the Irish Times. Her stuff on this war and everything else has been magnificent and we're grateful to her for joining us on the stand. Thanks to Lara, thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.